How many of you love a good story? Anybody? Anybody? I love stories. I love stories. Um, I want to share a couple stories with you this morning as we kind of start out. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I, I love doing is I love meeting with you guys. I've probably met with almost everybody in this room. If I haven't met with you, if I haven't invited you to coffee, it's because, or if you haven't met with me for coffee, it's because you've either ignored me or you just don't want to meet with me. But everybody else, right, if you've been coming here for longer than like 30 days, I've probably met you, unless you've, you know, kind of, you know, just shunned me, which is fine too. But I love meeting with you guys, and I love hearing about your life, and I love hearing your stories, because that helps me understand people. It helps me relate to you, to kind of get a little bit of insight into your life, and, you know, and just be able to be a better pastor. And so I love doing that. That's what I do all the time. Um, we have a staff, you know, large staff here, and that helps me to free up my time to meet with all of you guys like that, uh, to, to be a shepherd and to care for you guys, love you guys. And whenever, I want you to know, whenever I share stories from the platform, if it's not about me, if it's about other people, it's always because I've asked somebody else, hey, can I share this story? So you don't ever have to be concerned, like, oh, if you share something with me, like, I'm not going to share it unless you give me permission to share it. But every once in a while, I, um, you know, stories will pop into my mind. <clears throat> to share with the congregation, um, I always like to ask the question when I'm looking at life, one of my favorite questions is the question, why? I always like to ask why. Like, why is this happening? Why am I acting this way? Or why is somebody else acting this way? I just, you know, I just like to ask that question. I don't know, it's just the way I'm wired, I guess. I like to answer that question, why? Why is this happening? Uh, why is someone else acting a certain way that they're acting? And um, <clears throat> last night at 3 a.m., I woke up, 3 a.m., just straight a wide awake, and I thought about, uh, I wasn't thinking, I mean, I was asleep, I was dead asleep. And I started immediately thinking about a situation um, that a guy in my life group shared with me. And so I, you know, I'm part of multiple life groups, and, and um, this guy in my life group, he is, um, he is a fitness buff. Like, this guy's, you know, about my age, super, super fit. You know, he gets up every day, literally like 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., you know, and he works out like six days a week for like an hour to an hour and a half every single day. I see him out running. You know, I, you know, I, know, I don't go to the gym, but I know he goes to the gym and he lifts weights. And like, he is just like, he's like a machine, you know, and we go to life group, we're in life group, and we have food all the time. And, you know, I always sign, not always, most of the time I sign up for to bring what, you know what? The desserts, right? Because I know what I like, you know, and, you know, I'll go to Nothing Bunt Cake, or I'll go to Schmuckers, and I'll bring a pie. You know, I just bring as much, anything that's sugary as possible. And that's what I bring to our life group. But I noticed my friend, he never eats any of it. Nothing. He doesn't eat any of the desserts. I've never once in my life seen him eat a dessert. And we've been in life group together for four years. And he's never eaten anything. And he works out every day, 4 o'clock or 4.30 a.m. And it's just, you know, um, and the food that he does, eat, he eats really small portions. And it's really, really clean. Like when he brings stuff, him and his wife, you know, they, they always bring like, like turkey. I mean, you know, something, <clears throat> you know. Something super healthy, like, you know, like they'll bring like kale. I mean, just weird stuff, right? I don't know, quinoa, like who does that? But <clears throat> that's what they bring. 
And it's just been going on and on for four years. And I just, you know, have watched. I'm like, you know, why is this guy so healthy? Like, what's the deal? And about, um, and I never just, I never said to him, like, hey, you know, you're like a nut. You're like, you get up at 4 o'clock. I just, I just like, wonder. Like, when, don't you guys wonder? Like, why? Was, what's going on here? Well, uh, about a month ago, we had a life group question, an icebreaker. And the opening question was, tell us about your childhood. Who did you hang around with? Like, what was your group, right? And, um, and he started talking. He's like, you know, <clears throat> I really didn't hang around, you know, the jocks or, you know, you're in their 50s. So you could talk about, like, you know, the preppy people. I, you know, I, I, I really didn't really have a group of people I hung around with. He's like, in fact, <clears throat> when I was in elementary school, you know, I was, I was pretty overweight. And I couldn't even do, he said, the most humiliating day of the year is when, you know, when you, when you go into PE, when you go into gym and you have those fitness tests. What's those things called? Yeah, thank you. The presidential fitness. He's like, I couldn't even do one pull-up in fitness. And he kept on talking. He said, in fact, he said, when I was in elementary school, I used to get beat up all the time. And he started naming all the people that would beat him up. But then he started naming all the girls that beat him up. <laughs> and he listed them. And he started naming their names. And I thought to myself, it clicked in my mind at that point. Like, oh, no wonder my friend is so into fitness. No wonder he determined. I mean, this guy does push-ups. And, I mean, it's just like he's like ripped. And it all kind of goes back to how he felt about himself and the humiliation he felt as a young child. And it made sense. I was like, oh, no wonder. You know, in 1991, <clears throat> Debbie and I had just graduated from college, and um, she was a year ahead of me, actually, and so she had her master's, but whatever. We were in 1991, and we were at our first church. And we were there, and uh, in 1991, our, the pastor that had hired me at my first church, so I was like, let's see, I was like, I don't know, 22 or something. I was at a small church just east of Cleveland, and the pastor there had an affair, and he had to resign because he had an affair. And this other guy comes along. And the other guy who was the new pastor was totally different than the old pastor. And this guy was like, I, I don't know, he just was he, was, he was probably not happy the church that he had to go to, and he was not a nice person. And in a matter of, a matter of just a few months, in 1991, our oldest son was born. I got fired from my first job because we got a new pastor and we just did not see eye to eye. I got fired from my first job. My dad, at 52, died of cardiomyopathy. He died of heart disease at 52. I had to move in with my in-laws, right, because I lost my first job. And I started a master's degree in counseling, all in a matter of about five months. All these things were going on. And I remember one day driving on the side of the road. I was driving, and I had to pull over on the side of the road. And the reason I had to pull over is because I thought I was having a heart attack. I felt my throat just seizing up. I couldn't breathe. And I thought, my dad had a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die right now. I ended up going to the doctors, you know, and they're like, no, no, your heart's fine. You're fine. Whatever. I'm like, okay. I'm fine. Whatever. But I know I feel sick. I ended up, I'm in my master's program like that fall. And all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about life and stressors of life and life stressors and these scales, right, that stress you out, right, these life stressor scales. And I realized 
that like five out of the top ten life stressors had happened to me over the last six months. Like my stress scale was off the charts. And I realized in that moment that what was happening to me, I wasn't dying, but I realized I was having panic attacks in that moment. And I was reacting to all this stress in my life. And now there are certain times in my life over the last whatever, 35 years or so, that, that stress can get to me and, I'm, and, and I can feel that anxiety, that stress, and, and I start to have a panic attack, but I'm okay because I know, okay, well, I'm just, I understand why this is happening. There's a lot of stress in my life right now. And so when I ask that question why, it always helps me to navigate, you know, things, relationships in life. And sometimes you can point to things like that my friend, myself. Sometimes I ask the question, why? And probably a lot of you in this room ask the question, why, God? And sometimes the answer to why is the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world. We just live in a broken world. And because we live in a broken world, bad things can happen because our world is broken and our world doesn't operate perfectly how God designed it to work and to operate. Sometimes bad things happen. Not because I've done anything or anybody else has done anything, just our world is broken. So I ask that question a lot about life. Why things are, because it helps me be, I think, more understanding, more sympathetic, empathetic. It helps me understand. It helps me just to be hopefully kinder and gentler. Unless it's my family, like my brother. So, but you know... <clears throat> Otherwise, like, um, you know, it helps, right? And all that relates to Christmas because we know a lot about the birth of Christ. We know about it. You guys can, probably a lot of you in this room can tell me stories ad nauseum about the birth of Christ. In fact, I'll read a couple things, right? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, right? We're going to talk about, this, this talks about how Jesus was born. We celebrate Christmas. Listen to what Matthew 1.18 says. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. It's a how question. This is how it happened. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't understand that, God. I just trust your word. The Holy Spirit moved upon her, worked in her. There was this miracle that happened. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly because she was pregnant and he knew he wasn't the dad. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He decided to divorce her. This is how it happened, how she became married, became pregnant, right? Luke chapter 1, verse 30. An angel speaking says, Mary, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Sometimes you find favor with God and it's like super confusing. I'm like overwhelmed. It's like, oh, this is not what I thought favor of God would look like. He says, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him, talking about Jesus, the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen I'm a virgin. The previous verses we read, how what happens? The Holy Spirit moved upon her body and she conceived. That's how it happened. The Bible even tells us about when, like the historical fact of when did this happen? 
Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we read the following words. Historically, right, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. So we know Christmas, the birth of Christ. We know how it happened. We actually know when it happened. It happened when Augustus was the emperor over the Roman Empire. We know when it happened. We actually know where it happened because in the, preceding, or in the following verses, following Luke chapter 2, the following verses tells us that Augustus made this decree and said everyone needs to go back to their hometown. And Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem. And that's where the birth of Christ actually happened. That's where it happened. We actually know who was there. When you've read the Christmas story, we know about angels. We know about uh, wise men who came from afar. We read stories about who was there, about um, obviously Joseph and Mary were there, and shepherds were there, and there was a king in the land, and his name was Herod, and he was around. We know who was around during the birth of Christ. We know a lot of these things. But the big question this morning is why? Jesus, why were you born? Like, don't you want to know? Like, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get lost in details. Who, when, how, you know, where. And we think Christmas is all about those things. Those are all important things. Don't misinterpret that. But that's not the most important thing about Christmas. The most important thing is, why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Like, you should walk away today thinking, oh, this is why Jesus came. Do you know do you realize that Jesus himself talks about why he was born? Like Jesus talks about it. John chapter 18, verse 37. Jesus is speaking and he says this. The reason, like this is not somebody else. Jesus is talking. They recorded his words. He says, the reason I was born and I came into the world is to testify to the truth. Jesus said, I came to be a witness, to tell about the truth. Like, don't you want to be around a truth teller, someone who's going to speak truth? Uh, a guy named C.S. Lewis said this about Jesus. Jesus is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's the Lord. Like, you can trust him. If he's not a truth teller, then he's a liar. Either you're going to believe his words or you're going to say, oh, no, Jesus, you're a liar. She's like, I came to testify. A couple other translations put it like this. Jesus said, I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth, what I tell you are my followers. If you don't trust me, if you don't believe my words are true, then you're not my followers. Just simple as that. Another translation puts it like this. Jesus said, I was born for this. Christmas is about this. To tell people about the truth. This is why I came into the world. I love knowing why. Jesus, like, I came to tell you guys the truth. Like, you know what? Some of you are probably in here and you don't believe a lot of the Bible. You're like, I don't know. I don't get it. What I would encourage you to do this morning is just start with the words of Jesus. Just start there. 
Like say, you know what, I'm going to look at my Bible and every place that Jesus talks, I'm going to just, if I don't believe all this nonsense, I think it's nonsense, then I'm just going to start with the words of Jesus. And I'm going to read the words of Jesus. And I'm going to say, God, if you're real, if you're alive, speak to me through the words of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm here to tell you the truth. And just start there. I want to give you in the words of Jesus, not my words, not somebody else's. I want to give you in the words of Jesus five reasons why Jesus was born. Like five reasons. Now there's a lot of other reasons. I'm just picking five that, that I felt were relevant to us this morning. Okay? These aren't all the reasons, the totality, but I'm going to give you five reasons. On the back of your notes, you might want to write these things down. Five reasons, because I always ask that question, Why? Why, I don't care about the, you know, that's nice, whatever, the information. But I want to know why you came, Jesus, why you were born. Five reasons why Jesus, in Jesus' words. Number one, Jesus was born to be the Savior. Jesus came to be our rescuer, our deliverer. He came to be our Savior. To save us from what? To save us from ourselves. To save us from our sin. To save us from eternal separation from God. Jesus said this, his words, for the Son of Man, he's speaking about himself. The Son of Man came, this is why I was born. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. In other words, Jesus said, I came to rescue those who are spiritually dead. I came to rescue those who have been separated from God the Father. That's why I came, to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, you know what? If you don't think you're spiritually lost, then you don't think you need Jesus. Some of you might think, well, you know what? Those who are watching online, I got it all together. I don't need Jesus. I'm not lost. I know my way. I know the direction. Well, you have to stand before, you have to be accountable for God with your own life. About two years ago, um, every once in a while, I don't like to do this, but I do this just because I, I think I should. But there's a guy that's connected to our church, and he goes out every, every week, literally every single week, rain, shine, 20 degrees below, whatever. And he goes out and he knocks on people's doors twice a week, every week. He says, hey, I'm doing a spiritual survey. Can I ask you some questions? And, and I've gone out with this guy probably five or six times. I don't know, something like that. And I don't like doing it. You know, I, I, I don't like doing it. But I think it's a good spiritual practice and it's a discipline and it gives me a chance to interact with people who I wouldn't normally interact with. And I was reminded of this yesterday that a couple years ago, right across the street, we knocked on the door of a, of a house and a woman came and she answered the door. And we said, hey, we're doing a spiritual survey. We'd like to ask you some questions about, about um, spiritual things and about Jesus in particular. She said, I don't need any questions. I don't need Jesus. I'm not interested in Jesus. And shut the door on us. And that was that. She wasn't lost. She said she didn't need Jesus. And I was reminded yesterday, I was told yesterday, that just recently this woman had died. Now, I don't know. And Shirley, who works on our staff as a part of our church, was telling me a story. She said, Pastor Brad, my heart just broke when I heard that she just died recently. She said, no, I don't know, maybe there was a point in her life when she came to know Jesus. But as far as I know, she had never surrendered her life to Jesus. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. 
I was told another story recently in the last couple of months of someone else in our church here. And a guy was sharing me with me about his mom. And his mom was pretty liberal. And, you know, I don't give you all the details. But she was not a Christ follower either. And she um, did not think that she was lost. She didn't need Jesus. But in the last couple of months, she'd had a medical condition, something like a, a vein or something near around her heart had burst. And they rushed her in and they thought that she was going to die. She was in critical care. And my friend from our church left, our, left Ohio and went to another state to be with his mom. And he said, this, his mom who had turned her back wanted nothing to do with Jesus her whole life or as far as much as what he explained to me. When she had moments of not awakeness, like where she was having conversations, but she had moments when she was lying in critical care. Do you know what the name that she called out in those moments? It was not Buddha or Muhammad or it was not, you know, Carl Jung or you name it. The name that she called out was Jesus in those moments. She said, I didn't need Jesus my whole life. But when she was on the doorstep to eternity, it was in that moment she said, oh. she called out that name Jesus. Jesus is like, that's why I came. I came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus' words, not mine. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. There's a couple of the passages. There's tons and tons of scriptures that reaffirm this. Matthew 1, 21, talking to Mary, it says that she will have a son, meaning Mary, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will do what? He will save his people from their sins. Like, that's why Jesus came. John 1, 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like, oh, Jesus, I need you to rescue me from myself and from the consequences of sin in my life and separation from God. Galatians 1.4, Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God the Father planned in order to do what? To rescue us from this evil world that we live in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Secondly, why did Jesus come? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Jesus came. The why is to show us the way to God. Jesus came to rescue us, to deliver us. He came to show us the way to God. Listen to Jesus' words, not mine. Jesus is, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through now, Jesus, either you're a liar or you're crazy or you're truly Lord. Jesus is like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you the truth and show you the way to have your relationship with God the Father restored. That's why I came. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the apostle Peter's preaching. He's talking to a group of people. He says this about Jesus. He says, there is salvation, there's rescue, there's deliverance, and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Have you committed your heart and life to Christ? Has he saved you, rescued you, delivered you from the eternal consequences of separation from God? From your own selfish and sinfulness, your own mistakes? Number three. Why was Jesus born into this world? To show us what God is like, right? To show us because God is spirit and it's like, oh, I have no, sometimes I just, it's just way too big and hard for me to understand. 
Jesus said this, John 14, verse 7 and 9. He says, if you had really known me, you would have known who my father is. From now on, you do not, you, from now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because Jesus wanted to show you who God is, what God is like. Compassionate and loving and kind, but also a discerner of truth and what's right and what's wrong. To reveal those, what's best for our life and what's not best for our life. That God desires for us to have a relationship with him. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why Jesus was born. Two more. Why was Jesus born? Number four, he was born to be with us. Right? He was born that we could experience his presence and his power and his life change in our lives. That he would be with us. He said this in John 14, Jesus' words. He said, I will ask the Father and God the Father will give you, talking to us as followers, another advocate or a counselor or a comforter. Those are all words that are interchangeably used there. This, this comforter, counselor's advocate who will never Leave you. Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Like, oh, Jesus. That's why you came? To be with me? I know at Christmas time, some people, that's one of the worst times in, in, of, the, of the year, of the calendar year, when people feel lonely, and just like, I want you to know that you are not alone in those moments. You don't have to feel alone. I am with you. If you'll call out to me, I'm with you. I will be there with you for you to experience my presence in your life. That's why I came to be with you. Number five. Finally, why was Jesus born? This is a great one, right? He was born to give us a rich, fulfilling life. Like, oh, Jesus, you came. Jesus didn't come to be a killjoy, to rob you of joy in your life. So be like, oh, following Christ, being a Christian is like, no, it robs me of all. No, Jesus, I came to give you a fulfilling, a satisfying life. Because if you live in sin long enough, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season, and then it's no longer pleasurable. And then we experience and feel the weight and the burden and the destructiveness of sin in our life. Just like, hey, do you trust me? I came to show you the truth. He says, the thief's, Satan's purpose is to steal, to kill, destroy. My purpose is to give you, to give us a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. That's why Jesus came. To, to, fill, to fill us with his presence and his power and to give us an abundant life. There's another passage of scripture where it says that God wants to do far above and beyond what you could ever dream or hope 
or imagine. Like, that's what Jesus came and he wants to do in your life. Far above and beyond what you could ever dream or hope or imagine. I want you to close your eyes for just a second. No one's looking around, it's private, whatever. And I want you to think about a situation in your life that's just overwhelming to you. We all have those moments, those seasons, those events in our life that feel overwhelming, that feel traumatic. And Jesus says, I want to do something far above and beyond what you could ever dream or hope or imagine. So I would just ask you this morning, say, Jesus, just pray, say, Jesus, you know this situation in my life that I'm experiencing, that I've gone through. I don't know what you can do with it. But I trust your word that you came to give me a rich and satisfying life. I trust that promise, Jesus. There might be a lot about the Bible I don't know, I don't understand, but I trust you and I trust your words. So, Jesus, I'm asking this morning that you would work in my life and in this situation to do far above and beyond what I could ever dream or hope or imagine. I don't know what it looks like. I take my hands off it, Jesus. I'm just trusting you with this situation in my life. And maybe you're here as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around, just your own world, just you and God. Maybe you're here and you don't want to miss that opportunity. I was just speaking with someone before service today and they're like, oh, Pastor Brad, I was just celebrating being here last year. I was with my mom and this year I'm not with my mom. You know, she's with the, she's with the Lord. And undoubtedly some of us probably won't be here next year at this time. And you don't want to be like that lady Revelation, the book of Revelation, a New Testament book says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks and asks if we'll let him in. So maybe you're here, you're watching online, you've never invited Christ into your life, you've never invited him to rescue you, to deliver you from yourself, from your sinfulness. Just to yourself, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you, of doing my own thing, my own way. I know I'm guilty of ignoring you. And I need forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. This year at Christmas, I'm reminded to rescue me, to deliver me, to save me. Jesus, that you came not only to live, but to die for me, that I might be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me. Change me. Give me the strength to live for you as my king. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer and if you meant it sincerely... I know that you are forgiven. Like, you don't have to walk out here and say, oh, I wonder if I was forgiven. I wonder if I prayed. Jesus, did you really forgive me? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are forgiven. And here's how I know the words of Jesus. John 6, 40, last passage. John 6, 40, Jesus says, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, everyone who looks to Jesus and believes in Him 
who trusts in him shall have eternal life. Someone say amen. That's really, really good news that you can have that life eternal.